Hello and welcome to episode 231 of Three Bears in a Movie. I am Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Hello. Still very shaven Colin today. Again, still, still, still. I don't, it doesn't grow that fast. No. <laughs> Despite what people think, it does not grow that fast. No. Um, it does grow a rate, but not that fast. Um, episode two, two, 231, if you reverse it, it's 213 and as well, no, 13. Ominous, ominous episodes. I'm trying to see what we well, well, I've got 213 in my little book. I'm trying to see what we talked about when episode 213. I don't think it was you. I think you were um, in your hibernation at that point um, and not Obviously, talking to anyone. I did hibernate for a while. Yeah, it's about a good year. So I think 2013. <laughs> okay, 2013, we talked about. Oh, what? That weirdly, that was like the, one of the first ones you came back for. Oh, that was the Return of the Mac. We'd watched that uh, Count Me In, the drama film, remember? Mm-hmm. Yes, watched, yeah, I do. Yeah. We watched The Vault and we watched Shang-Chi and Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, yeah, I do. I actually remember. Yeah, that, that yeah. wasn't that long. It feel a long ago at all, does it? That um, was October of, 20, of 2021. Yeah, cool. That's yeah, time, time flies. Time flies. Time is constantly moving forward. So <laughs> it's all moving forward. How are you this now? Or this evening? Um, yeah, <laughs> um, we're so Scotland. Um, we're still pretty much. We're still pretty much in, in lockdown. I know England's getting. Um, there's pretty much freedom to go and fucking infect themselves next next week, isn't it? <laughs> there's nothing you cannot lick in England right now. You're no, you allowed to lick anything, it, and touch anything, and insert anything in anywhere. Yeah, again, anyone that's listening, you know, that's south of the border, um, no offence men here, but fucking bonkers. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Um, you know, the masks, why Why do we need masks? Cause so you don't die of a fucking yeah. nasty disease, you mad bastards. So that's why um, it seems like a very fucking rash decision, doesn't it? Just yeah. to, you know, fuck it, like, let's just don't have masks anymore. People can do what they want. And it, it just seems it's scary, man. It's yeah. proper, proper scary. And I think- I've got friends heading like north of the border in the next couple of weeks. And I've told like, like bring a mask because you do need to have one. Like, and also bring all your paperwork to show you've been in, like, that you've been jabbed yeah. because that's what you like. Really, is it, people ask like, dude, that's like, the one thing they are asking for in pretty much every place you go. They want you to see that kind of stuff. So yeah, bring it. Like, you especially mean, if you're going to go yeah. and do anything. Yeah, your passport's essential in Scotland right. just now. Um, but it's just, I mean, there's like scientists are saying, you know, that this is not a good idea to, to abandon masks and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? And, and scientists are like, we've no, you know, we've no signed off on this. No one's asked yeah. us, and it's a terrible idea. And you're like, what? why? Because we made I, I, we, the country or the country at large made a medical thing and a medical pandemic political. When it shouldn't have been political, but they've made it political and they're using it as a political tool now. And that's because he's in trouble, as, obviously, right now. So he's yeah, this, sort of, this is what, why they're doing it is to, yeah. to basically curry favour, you know, you find let's all go back to normality because I'm a nice guy and, you know, I'll let you do that. And, yes. And maybe you'll forget about everything I've done bad. I think that's, yeah, that's 100% it, dude. That's absolutely nuts, it. That's man. People are going to die. Do you know I mean, the people will, will actually fucking lose their lives because people are stopped wearing masks and and I don't understand because how hard is it to wear a mask when you're on a train it's not difficult I think when you first do it for the first day or two of wearing a mask it feels restrictive and odd and after Mm -hmm. that it's like no it's fine do you know what I mean and it's so I think for me, yeah, for me anyway, it's so so habitual do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it's like it's became like muscle memory do you know what I mean like you go, you take your mask with you, you go on a bus, you put it on, you're going to shop, you put it put on. on. Do you know what I mean? It's right. like, you know, it's became, you know, like, the, like a fluid motion now where, you know, right. within seconds, I'm like a fucking mask crusader. Do you know what right. I mean? It's, it's, it's not a hassle, man. It's not at all. Right. The mask return, the mask thing is a bit like, I heard, a, I heard that sort of cliche on it on, on, online at one point. It's a bit like the people who return the trolley 
at supermarkets, right? See the ones you don't need to put a pound in, you just get a trolley. Some places mm. do that now. Yeah. People who, you, you have no legal obligation, you have nothing forcing you to put the trolley back, but the people who are decent people will always put the trolley back. You're like, that's what you should do. Yeah. You should put it back yeah. because that's the kind of person I am. The mask, we're the same. You do not have to wear a mask on, but if you're a decent person and want to be like, so obvious, and you care about others and you actually want to be a decent member of society, you'll wear it. Wear a mask, yeah, for the sake of other people that are maybe vulnerable, do you know what yeah. I mean? Stuff like that, dude. Uh, don't kill people, wear a fucking mask. Listen, to that, man, dude, we're getting get political, man. Get political. Right, like, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, um, I'm, I'm drinking Sailor Jerry rum tonight. Nice. Um, are you still pulling pit- your way through the rums you got for Christmas, basically? Dude, I've got so much rum still. To <laughs> um, and being, a being, being, <laughs> being the classy fucker that I am, I'm drinking it out of a pint glass as well. So It uh, does look like piss you're drinking, it won't lie. See, when you turn up the camera, it does look like piss. It, it, well, the, the the glass I've got is green as well, which right, okay, probably good. probably doesn't help. But yeah, um, rum does have that. You know, when you mix it with lemonade, it does take on a, a urine like quality. Yes, <laughs> shall we say? Absolutely. But, um, I, I do like. I mean, out, out of rum is my favourite rum. Um, snigger all you want is Mount Gay. Um, Mount Gay. <laughs> you sniggering bastard! I'm sniggering, I, can I know. See, I can see it. I you should because it's a childlike thing. You can't the giggle at, but like I'm still giggling. Um, Mount Gay is my favourite. I really, really enjoy that. Um, and then Sailor Jerry is, is is up there as well. So Sailor Jerry's tonight's from my choice. Um, this is their second bottle of Sailor Jerry that we're now finishing off. So yeah, we've still we've still got a few more bottles to go through. But I do, nice. I do like my rum. Yeah, I bought rum for somebody recently. It was, it was like a skull one. Um, oh, um, shit! What are they called? Dead Man's Fingers. Yes, that one. I bought they're, that for our, our friend Barry for his Christmas. They're kind of like. They're like the brew dog of, of rum. They're like kind of punk boys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like I had that feel about it. I got my glass, yeah. my glass is like a skull embedded in it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. They do all crazy flavours, like fucking mm. banana and chocolate chip. They're, they're like the kind of bad boys of the rum world, do you know what I mean? Like they skateboard to work and shit like that. They're, they're, uh, they all get tattoos, or at least rub on tattoos. <laughs> Dabbadies, as we used to yes. call them back in the day. Um, what, are you, what are you drinking? I picked one specifically in honour of yourself. Um, oh, it's, it's from the Black Isle Brewing Company, who are up in, in uh, Inverness, like not a bit fuller north in Inverness. Um, but mm-hmm. it's called Spider Monkey. Oh, nice! Yeah, man. so I've got Spider That's... Monkey tonight. That's, it's not a great, it's not a, it's not, a, it's not a, one of the fancy looking cans. It's just a bit of a kind of you know. It is a very the, the can does let down the name, doesn't it? The it does. There's no there's no spiders or monkeys on it. No so, uh, monkeys. Yeah. Um, what I'm thinking now is, is you know, like we always hear these stories of, of the, the kind of underdogs getting fucked over by the big breweries, like Brewdog fucking over wee pubs for using their names and stuff like that. Yeah. So what these fuckers here need to do is say, here, Spider Monkey's ours, Marvel, we've seen fucking Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider Monkey's ours, you owe us. No, that's Night names. Monkey. Was it? Oh, ah, it's man. Night Monkey. When I think Still, Spider Monkey, I think more, remember Twilight? Um. She she says to him like I want to rig you like a spider monkey when she's when he's swinging through the forest. I've never she seen calls, Twilight. She calls him. Um, she calls him, or he, he calls her little spider monkey, and I'm like going. That's when my instant thought of spider monkey goes to, and I think of. Oh um, my god! Um, thanks for putting that. <laughs> well, fucking man. This one is it's um it's a unfiltered IPA. It is juicy and tropical, which I would not say it's quite. It's not as juicy and tropical as one I had last week. Um, it's. Got a pineapple hit to it, apparently, and pawpaw. I'm not entirely sure what pawpaw tastes like, but this is in it. I know Blue likes pawpaw. pawpaws, but that's it. Who? Blue, oh, Blue, Blue the Bear, yeah, he, he, he likes pawpaws, yeah. Another pawpaw. 
I don't know if it means like a, man- a book called like a mango or something. I'm not, I'm really sure. not sure, but I do remember um, from back, back when I was a young child, just about there was a cartoon called the Paw Paw Bears. Right, okay. Which were a bunch of, they were kind of like Care Bears, but with attitude, and they had totem poles that <laughs> gave them magic powers and shit, and they would go Care Bears with attitude. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty much, man. Um, the Paw Paw Bears, look that shit up, man. It was um, direct competition with He-Man, I'll tell you. Tell you right it, was a, it, was, it was a damn good show, man. The totem would come to life. They had like a totem bear and it would come and help them and kick ass with them, man. They were, yeah, probably very, probably like racially slurring, you know, the Native Somebody, American, yes. Well, Native American Indians, because that, that's where it was, you know, that, that's yeah. all mythology behind it. Um, but back then, in innocent times, when I was young and stupid, I loved it. It was a great re-show that's, that's sadly been long forgotten. Apparently, it's, bears. apparently it's our name for papaya. But I don't really know what papaya ah. tastes like either, so um, that's what it is. It sounds, it's very hipsterish, isn't it? Very, very, very now, do you know what I mean? Like vegan and, and papaya and no this in it and no that in it and exotic. Um, does it taste nice though? It does that, taste nice. That, very, it's one you can drink quite a lot over the course of a night. It's, it doesn't seem too offensive, it doesn't feel too, like, um, too sweet that you feel a bit, you know, kind of diabetic after mm. drinking it. It's actually, it's actually very, very nice. Um, <laughs> Pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-pop-
been kind of getting up at half five in the morning for, for work um, because my other half um, starts early and she has to leave earlier. So when she wakes up, regardless of whether I'm asleep or not, inevitably I'm up anyway. Um, so I've kind of been really tired and not, I've kind of been working and finishing working and having dinner. Then, like, I'm what feel like going to bed. I think I was looking at the clock last night, it was half seven. I was like, could I get away? We've got to bed just now. <laughs> oh, that's what I realized when you become an adult. Number one, there's two things that an adult you can do. You can go into a shop and buy a birthday cake and no one will say anything against it because they think it's someone's yeah. birthday. Great yeah. thing you have. And also, you can go to sleep whenever you want now. Well, you finish yeah. your work day, no one's going to stop you going to your bed at like half five if you want to. No, no one can do it. No one can stop you. Well, dude, I never used to do naps until lockdown. And see now, man, naps are like, oh my God, uh, yeah. they're just the greatest thing ever. Um, Aye. Fortunately, sometimes they extend from a nap to like a, a two and a half hour. Aye, <laughs> I think a nap should be like under, under an hour. Once you hit like two hours, three hours, you know, I mean, you wake up, you don't know where the fuck you are. But it's a nap. Yes, um, a good day, Vienna. Um, but um, yeah, so yeah, I was looking at the clock and I was like half seven, could I go to bed? But I, I stayed up and uh, I stayed up and I watched um, the, the, the Witcher. So I've been, I've okay. been kind of binging on The Witcher this week. So I've been doing a wee episode pretty much every night. Um, so that's me finished season two. Of, of the Witcher completely wrapped up. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it was a lot more linear than, than the first season. The first season yeah. was very kind of, you know, back and forward and yeah. different timelines. And, you know, it was it was hard to keep abreast of, you know, who was doing what, where, when and why. And, you know, what kind of, a lot of the time it was like subtle things like a person's hairstyle that they, they relied on to give you a, you know, a mm. kind of continuity time frame. Whereas with this one, it was much more, you know, we're starting here we're going here, my finishing here. So it was all in a straight line. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was good for that. Um the first three or four, I think I'd mentioned before, were kind of creature of the week features. Yep, you said that, yeah. Um, and and then it started kind of honing in on on the actual story. Um much like Game of Thrones, um the first season I think was much revered by the Radish audience for its um boobs and, and boobs and killing. Yeah, whereas this one, a lot, lot, a lot of killing, but a lot, lot less boobs and stuff like that, you know. So I think you know they've done the bait and switch. They've got the audience, you know, with like boobs, boobs, ah, no more. I think, boobs, I think really in reality, we are, we are in a world right now where I think we can all accept that unnecessary nudity is not really required. You know, it's like yeah. I, I'm, I feel un, not uncomfortable with it. Sometimes it's I can understand why it's in the film, but mm. if I see nakedness in a film that's not required, I feel I'm not prudish. I'm definitely not prudish. I'm, you know, I feel I'm quite liberal, but. There's time to look at it and go, that's just not necessary. It felt yeah. completely un... There was no difference in the story putting her in a bikini or yeah, it, in a T-shirt yeah. or something. There's absolutely no yeah. difference in it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm actually okay with that. But it also does seem that... Um... I think actresses now are a lot more kind of wise to, you know... Oh, totally more savvy and say, like, I'm not doing it. it yeah. It's not a requirement. I don't need uh, to do that. It, yeah. it's, it's not, you know... Active to the story, um, you know, so so why why should I? Which is a good thing, you know. They've got that empowerment, which is Aye. nice. Um, they don't feel like they have to to get a role. I remember is it, who um, plays Daenerys and um, Olivia Clark. Amelia Clark. Yeah. At one point, like I'm not doing this anymore. I, I'll, I'll be in yeah. the film, I'll be in the show, but I'm not fucking getting naked every single fucking episode. It's not happening. Yeah, totally. And it, it was. I mean, I, I guess. For, for the purpose of that that one initial scene, it probably was. It was in the. Book it makes sense in that one. It's an artistic purpose to it and a story. Anything after then, that, yes. and it is, you know, it's you know, like you're you're kind of feeding the sharks at that point. Anything uh-huh. else? Um, so, I mean, don't do it. You don't need to. Um, uh-huh. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think even Game of Thrones as the season went on that gradually kind of realised we don't, you know, that this best. isn't. It's not needed. So it's, it's good to see, and I'm glad about that with The Witcher as well. Yeah. Um, 
the violence is always good, you know, it's always nice. I mean, but I, yeah. violence. So that's, you know, there's, there's never, you know, not a reason for that. Um, so that's that, that's fine. But yeah, so um, overall, decent watch. Um, enjoyed it and quite quite looking forward to, to the third season. Um, I also, at the end of it, previewed like a, it's, it's obviously a cash grab, but, you know, going back a thousand years to, you know, the history of, like the kind of the elves and shit like mm. that, uh, much, much like Game of Thrones is doing as well. They're going mm. to be doing the Dragon Dynasty, which is looking yeah. back and stuff like that. Um, <coughs> hopefully, with shit like this happening now more and more, um, it doesn't start to dilute the quality of what you're seeing. Um, I think it's like it's like anything. Once something hits big, every studio right now is looking for its Game of Thrones. Um, I think yeah. in many ways, Netflix hope Witcher would be its Game of Thrones. I don't think it's quite captured the attention. Yeah. Um, in the same way, um, I think Amazon's really hoping this Lord of the Rings series that's coming out is like War of the Ring or Tales of the Ring or something. Yeah. It's going to yeah. be the one that sort of captures the attention. Um, but everyone's still everyone's looking for that Game of Thrones esque sort of impact and, and uh, yeah. sort of penetration to the point where. Even your granny, maybe not watch it, but she's heard of Game of Thrones. You Game know, like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's got that. It's, it's that light in her bottle, isn't it? It's just like the right thing hitting at the right time and the right audience yeah. catching it that it spreads and gets, and you know, the, the kind of books are received well enough that it's got that audience. And it's just light in a bottle. And you're right, there's so many horrid fucking ripoffs. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, that it shows, you know, that it, it does take a certain. Does it? I think it's like anything and stuff like that to, to pull it off successfully. It's like anything. You, you, the reason why something's successful isn't just because it's a certain genre. It's it, there's a lot more into. There's a lot more like you know pieces and ingredients in it to make something feel successful. You know, it, it's more than just mm. you know putting putting some fancy thing out there. Because in all and honestly, something like the Golden Compass yeah. should be a massive success, and it wasn't yeah. just because it didn't yeah. hit people in the right way. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why something like when we saw Sweet Tooth, that was nice. That hit people in the right way. Um, stuff like that. So we, uh, it's every studio still looking for that Game of Thrones esque type show. Yeah, but I'm glad you enjoyed Witcher. Anything else of note? I, I did enjoy Witcher and uh, Boba Fett uh, episode four, which I watched last night. Uh, and again, man, every week, man, this show just breaks my heart more and more because, um, as I say, relentlessly week after week, as, as I'm like, I'm a Star Wars geek. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like. Fucking, do you know what I mean? I've probably got a Princess Leia wig in a cupboard somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised, do you know what I mean? Um, I assume you have. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I love fucking Star Wars. I'm born and bred, you know, I'm a brief Star Wars. And huh. this show just, it just keeps, and, and I'm going to kind of, if you have people that have kind of listened that have seen it know what I'm talking about anyway, but they, they just keep feeding you shit that as a kid watching the original, you let, in the original Star Wars, you know, there's a bit when they're playing chess and it's like Wookiees, you know, tear their arms, tear people's like Wookiees. Yeah. Droids don't tear people's arms off when they get angry. Aye. You've got that image in your head and you're like, wow, you know, and what it's saying is, you know, Wookiees are badass. So what yeah. if they went and done, they've, they've, they've showed you it. And you're like, why? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like the magic and the mystique was in the fact that we know Wookiees can do that. They're big mm. badass fuckers. You don't need to show us it. Um, yeah. Stupid shit like, you know, Boba Fett's going to get his ship, and his ship's called Slave One. Um, that's Boba Fett's ship. And instead they give it some wanky name, like fucking multi-fucking-firing laser ship. And you're like, no, it's Slave One. Um, uh, I'm with, I mean, I mean calling something just, Slave now is it's not particularly, it's not, it's not particularly PC. I, get, I can understand why. They're, it's Disney, it's man. Space, Disney, 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 sanitizing stuff. But it's just shit like that, Jimmy. Then, like, is there anything different by naming a ship something different? Yeah, man, it's slave. There's not. One, there's, there's not. There's no, absolutely nothing. 
See that this this is the, the this is the hardline Star Wars stance, but do you know I mean it is, man. It's the Boba Fett ship is slave one. That's it. Do you know no, I mean? it's not. No, it's a ship. no one's no one's offended by calling a fucking ship. No, no one really is. I don't think anybody is. But ultimately, no I don't one think cares, naming man. a certain name is going to make it any. It's still the same mm. ship. It's still the same look. It's still the same thing. It's just they get they call it a different name. I'm you know, I don't really think if that, if, that, if, you, if you're getting bent out of shape over that, I think there's there's real problems. Like if, yeah, if, if, I'm a fucking Star Wars there, that's the yeah. problem. Like I'm a fucking Star Wars purist, that, that's the problem. So do but, you hate the um, fact in this one they've gave the sand people some sort of backstory and they gave them some sort of like culture? No, because that that was always that you kind of knew that anyway. Do you know what I mean? Right, like okay. there was a, there was enough snippets of sand people throughout the other films that. You could pretty much piece that together. That that was it's, it's not lazy writing, but you know it, it's like an obvious path they took with that. Do you know what I mean? It's okay. like that that's the assumption you would kind of take for the lifestyle just from the wee five minutes you get on um, the original Star Wars. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, that's how they would live. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, um, I get that this is not my Star Wars and it's not my generation's Star Wars. No, it's not. Got to move on to. A younger audience, you know what I mean? Well, you need to make an audience watch it. You need to make sure that you're going to die soon, Colin, and you need yeah. to make other people to watch it, and you need kids I, to watch I, it. I totally get it, but you know, to to just to be so brutalist, I think is is the problem. Do you know what I mean? Just just to you know fucking dissect it so much as uh, you know, leave some of the mystique in there. Is what I'm saying. Do you know what I mean? Just leave a wee bit of the mystique in there. You know, does this boil down? To the fact that in reality, Boba Fett is a pretty shit character to begin with. Therefore, there's not much to say. And also, Again. everyone everyone thinks that Boba Fett was the Mandalorian. Like, the, the story they got from the Mandalorian is the story mm-hmm. for Boba Fett. But because you've done the Mandalorian, yeah. you can't do the same story for Boba Fett. You've yeah. got to find a new story there. You know, so I think the problem is, I think it's, it's almost the opposite, dude. Um, is I think. Boba Fett was an amazing character because he well, had... He's just, li- he's shit. No, he's but shit listen, he, no, listen, he had two lines of dialogue and and you, that kind of fucking... Like, I've been 13, 14-year-old kid calling at that time, filled on, on all the blanks, you know, he's a ruthless bounty hunter that disintegrates people and you're then, you know, you're projecting that character, whereas what they've done is they've taken that projection of, you know, what's essentially a badass character and softened him up, you know what I mean, for... Yeah, a fucking 2020 audience, you know, which is much more accepting. Um, but the evidence, the, the evidence you had for both it being a good character was limited. He looked relatively cool in a jetpack. Yeah, but his mm. one, in, his one appearance in Star Wars is he gets eaten by a big giant monster after because he, you know, so that, that's literally all he does in the whole of Star Cu- Wars. Couple of appearances, but yeah, yeah, you know, we did so you know, the ruthlessness of him is, is limited. But you know, but it's your brain that, that kind of makes that character and yeah, then okay. they just take that and they're like you know no he's you know he's like this kind of podgy soft old man that seems to be fucking pretty much inept at everything he fucking does every episode Do it does mean, seem I'm, I'm questioning how he manages to get any sort of power because he seems completely inept everything he does absolutely every every idea he gets is shit and somebody else has got to help him or he gets beaten <coughs> up every week and he seems to just spend his entire fucking Life in a back to tank healing. Do you know what I mean? It's like fucking hell, man. You don't think the big another big problem of it is you've got Boba Fett in it, and then you kind of watch him going, This is he's not that interesting. He's a character literally standing two feet to his right. Fennec, yeah. yeah. And you go, that's a that's a much more interesting character you could do something. Where's Hush Show? Yeah, Wait, give me a Hush Show. Yeah. 
she should be the showrunner and he should be the support character. I he mean, should, I, he I, I would swallow for like that. Two or three episodes, yeah. Yeah, I, I would totally swallow that. You know, she is, I mean, she nails the ruthless assassin perfectly. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, yeah, yeah Boba Fett's just. And I, I kind of get the fan service. Let's get the guy that played him in, in the, the prequel trilogy to play yeah. him now. And I get that. He's an old man. Do you know what I mean? I'm an old man. Do you know what I mean? If someone said to me, you know, you want to play like fucking Boba Fett, I'd be like, no, I'm an old man. Yes, you would play in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I I wouldn't. Not not, not without armor all the time, at least. Armor from the waist up. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Sharp tailor it. Sharp tailor it. That'd be cool. So we're not a fan fan of Boba Fett. Anything else you've watched? No, that, that's been it. I've been the, the, the odd episode of, of Golden Girls, as per usual, in the background, um, blaring out. And Lorraine um, has, has become crazily obsessed with Only Murders in the Building, dudes. Um, What's that again? Dude, this is like, and I kid you not, man, I've got 10 fingers and 10 toes. I probably need yours to sum up how many times we've watched it now. I've no real urge to rewatch it. I've enjoyed it immensely, but I've no real urge to go back and watch it again. It's just, just one of those things. Do, do you know you the get comfort blanket, the comfort thing. Yeah, it's just easy viewing. Do you know I mean, you know where it is, you enjoy yeah. it, and it's just became that. You know, so like she, she'll, you know, she'll be studying, and it'll be on in the background, or you know, she'll be doing housework. It's on in the background. She'll be exercising. It's on in the background, and she'll just do the ten episodes, and then go. Again. She has also she has also a podcast fan, and it's definitely it's, Jesus, yeah. it's it's podcast TV. It's it's built yeah. for a podcast audience. You know? Yeah, so maybe a few, and she she likes her true crime. Right, right, so well. um, <laughs> I mean, it is a good show. Um, do you know, I enjoy, I mean, very I'm enjoyable. Show, yes, I catch it in the background when she's watching it, and I still, you know, I'll still kind of look round, and there's certain bits that you know I'm like, oh, I love that bit so much. I've seen it six times now, <coughs> but you know, it still makes me chuckle like a fucking kid. So I get, I kind of get it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to wean her off it somehow. Somehow. Yeah, that that'll be interesting. Um, what have you been watching? The only thing we mentioned that non-cinema viewing that I've had this week was I watched, for the first time since I was about 13, I think, I sat and watched the 1986 The Fly. Oh, David Cronenberg. Yes. Finest, um, yeah. Do you know who was, you know who was silent, is the silent producer on that was? Yeah. Mel Brooks. Was it? Yeah. He, he, he apparently produ- he, was, he was a silent producer on The Fly and The Elephant Man, but he didn't put his name on it because he thought if he'd done that, producers would think it was... Um, or people who are funny, or people who are watching, think it would be a comedy, and it's not. He, he liked the work, and he, and he had obviously quite a dark mentality mm. things, and sense of humor. And he, yeah, he saw yeah. something in this, he wanted, and he sort of wanted to embrace it. But he wanted to make sure it was getting made and getting supported, but he just wouldn't put his name on it. And I well, thought that was Mel Brooks. Once again, Mel Brooks showing he had, might be the fucking greatest guy on the planet. You know what he, he does? He, yeah, he's very astute, isn't he? He knows his business well. Just business yeah. Mr. Brooks. I mean, he knows he knows what he's doing. But no, I did not know that. So yeah. that's um, a handy piece of trivia. How did it hold up, sir? From thirteen-year-old Richard to to. I hadn't seen it since I was about 13 because, quite frankly, when I was 13, the film scared the living shit out of me. Um, there's a couple of scenes in it that really did not... that made a lasting impact. Um, yeah, yeah. The scene yeah. with the, the, the arm wrestling scene. Uh-huh, I can remember it exactly, yeah. The scene when the vomit on the hand. That's a horrible scene as well. And the tooth scene as well. The tooth scene as well. That, yeah. there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff in that film that really didn't... You know what else got me? See the, see the sort of pregnancy dream? yeah. Yeah, the lot of stuff in that film it just it made an impression on me. Um, it, yeah. it, it hurt, and also you know when it really hurt me and it really constantly messed me up. And I'm drinking a monkey drink today, and I shouldn't really be doing that. The bit when they, they transport the ape for the first time, uh-huh. Uh-huh. that's that's um, horrible. That genuinely yeah. disgusting. So anyway, yeah, so it holds up um, immensely so, well. So, so of, not every not everyone's maybe have seen this film. So give us a wee 
Yeah, the general idea of the film is there's a scientist who is there's a scientist who has figured a way to transport object A to object B. So basically, teleportation he's discovered. Um, yeah. While testing out one night, he and a fly are in the same teleportation device. So eventually, so basically, the, him and the fly sort of start sharing DNA, and he basically starts to turn into a human fly, but more fly than human, to be honest. You know, yeah, but it's done and it's not done in the way you would think. You know, no. when he grows wings and shit. It's David Cronenberg who does yes. body horror. Body um, horror, yes. Um, yeah. What what I really loved about, it, I mean, almost a great film. It, it, the, the horror elements to hold up really well. It's really short, it's only yeah. ninety minutes long, but it's it moves and it, and it, it also has enough time that it starts. You actually be going to feel who the characters are. Oh yeah, Absolutely. which is really good. Yeah. Um, Jeff Goldblum. You forget that Jeff Goldblum is Jeff Goldblum now, but back in the eighties, he was a fucking he was a I mean, he's still a very handsome man, but he was a very handsome man in his younger days. Yeah, yeah, he was quite, quite kind of suave looking, tall, yeah. muscular. Muscular, yeah, I mean? like, yeah, yeah, and also just he had a lot of charm. Like, he's a very hypnotic actor when you watch him on screen. Like, he, he, yeah, what he does now is almost like sort of a caricature of what he did back then, but it's it's yeah. very hypnotic when you watch it, and he has a lot of screen presence. Also, Gina Davis has got a shit ton of screen presence. It's a real shame she's not yeah. on as much anymore. I forgot just how horrible the other scientist or the other writer, sorry, is she the one Gina Davis's boss, basically the one who she's like yeah. had a thing with in the past, but now no longer had a thing with. The yeah. one who gets his hand yeah. developed. Yeah. He is probably yeah. one of the most horrendous characters on film. Like he's the epitome of like sort of like that male ego, you know, the sort of alpha like not he's alpha like male. Horror- He's like horrible bosses, but before yeah. horrible bosses are even conceived, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's just a horrible human being. But the film itself holds up fantastically well, really entertaining. I think you also, but back then, if I'm not mistaken, this is when um, they, they, they were a couple. Um, do you know, no, I think they met on, I think they met on the set of this. A real chemistry, which oh, okay, sells, yeah. helped sell the film. Um, you, you had mentioned to me during the week that you watched this and I'd, I'd said to you to track down part two. Did you <coughs> manage to find part two? Not yet. I might, I might have a look for it, though, because I'm intrigued right. by it. Because it's based yeah. on, it's the son of... It is, yeah, yeah. It's And it's just as fucking horrible and gross. Um, not Eric Stokes is in it, who doesn't quite have the acting range of... And it's not Cronenberg directly either. Yeah, but it, but it's, it's it borrows really well from that universe okay. and Stokes. Stokes, um, he, he can act. He's a good wee actor. <coughs> it's pretty fucking gross as well. Um, I'll try and find, I'll, I'll buy you. So let, let me buy it. This will be my gift to you. Oh, I'll I'll you, I will buy you the fly too, and I will send it to you. Well, let me be like, yeah, I, 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 I think my phone tells me where I can find it. So that's let me check. So let me really see if I can find out. But um, I, I was a massive <laughs> fan of the film when it first came out. I mean, I remember the first run back back when and I was a huge fan and I've seen it God knows how many times and Cronenberg just he just gets body horror in a way that that's often imitated but never never captured hey, the way yeah the way he you know getting good at it um not him but his son has done some really interesting stuff. Oh who's his son again? Oh, Cronenberg I can't I can't remember his um his first name actually um but he, he did a film this you know last year i think it was it was about assassins like sort of going into people's brains brandon cronenberg is his name um he did, did a film called uh, possessor um a couple of years ago or i think it came out last year genuinely a brilliant film if you get a chance to watch it find it um he also did a film called antiviral i don't know if you've ever seen that one with um no who's in it um is it Patterson? No, Caleb Landry Jones is in it. So you, I know you're a big fan of him. He's a very weird yeah, guy. Really. He's in it. Yeah. And um, yeah. that 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 was his film debut, but he's follow up possessor, which if you get a chance to find it, it's basically there's like 
a secret organization that uses like sort of brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies so they can commit crimes, like basically assassinations. So I would go in, so the assassin's into your body, right? Goes and kills a pe- bunch of people he, he wants, he needs to kill for whatever reason, you know, for reasons he's been asked to do it. Then he comes out of your body and you're left to deal with the fact that you've just killed. Killed somebody. So I'm, I'm going to swing this around to current affairs again. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in the news today, I believe it was, um, what's his face? Mad Bastard is, is basically going to, he's pretty much close to doing human trials of microchips and brains. I've seen this. Um, um, dude, this imagine is, if he stopped is... at every opportunity. He's basically fucking Lex Luthor, and we're, and we're letting Lex Luthor do way too much right now. Th- this is scary, man. It's like fucking... It's like one step closer to Skynet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're putting computers in, into people now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's nuts, man. This yeah. is... What happens yeah. when you can hack that person? You know what you're saying? <laughs> that's you know what the mean? point. Like, that's, that's let's the hack difference. Richard. Richard, uh-huh. go and stab Colin to death. Oh, well, I didn't stab Colin. But like, yeah, you fucking did. Yeah, that's, that's, that's this film. Is. The open yeah. scene in this film is literally that. It's like it's a waiter who's um, been possessed and literally. It's honestly, I can't. I don't. I don't want to ruin it. But watch the film. Yeah. It's fucking. It's one of. The, it's genuinely um, like affecting. Like you watch it, you feel you, you feel something. You feel like sort of exhausted after watching, it, and it'll stick with you. Um, Sean Bean's in it, and he's very good in it as well. Um, I think. I think what we need to do, Sarah, is I think I've got a mission for you tonight. It's okay. on on the, the Free Beers Twitter feed. I think you need to tell Elon Musk to watch this film. And so let's let's see if we can talk him off the ledge. No, I we? think he'd see that and go, that's what I'm looking for. I think that's the problem. <laughs> I, do, I don't think he wants to kill me. I don't think he's, he's inherently evil, Elon Musk. I no, I do. I think he's crazy. I think he's crazy and evil, yes. I don't know. I don't think he's even. His, I think I think he's very visionary, but I think he's you know he, he's unbridled, and, and you know someone has to has to you know go whoa 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 Elon, that's probably not a good idea, mate. Here's why. Watch this. Watch this, Elon. And he'll be like, ah, oh, right, okay. When your parentage yeah, is, uh, when your parents owned a diamond mine in apartheid South Africa, and we're on the wrong side of apartheid, you do start to think maybe his morals are slightly skewed or Possibly. has no morality is what we well, question well, all the more reason to, you know so, so let's get a hashtag Elon Musk watch this film let, I'm, I'm more hoping that three, I'm more hoping that next Christmas three fucking ghosts visit him um, and that might be the only way to get out of it to be honest <laughs> um, just quickly last, last, last thing about body horror Cronenberg and, and this madness we're going down um, have you ever seen Videodrome yes yeah that, that that's a great film as well That that's possibly possibly Cronenberg's best film I disagree I think Dead Zone is his best film so you want Christopher Walken oh mm. I, I do like Dead Zone but I think I think Videodrome captures the body horror perfectly and I no, think I, it's I think the most it's a Cronenberg film is Videodrome yes but I, yeah, I think his yeah. best film is Dead Zone I think so I think Dead Zone I don't know I'm, I'm going to say it it's a bit dated oh no it's maybe. definitely dated but I think you, yeah. even if you watch it now it still, it, it still works for me but it is, it is a slightly dated film I don't disagree with yeah. that yes yeah, it's really good. Um, it's really good. It's a really insane idea. I know it's based on a Stephen King novel, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But it's a really, it's a very well um, film, very well done film. And it sort of just make Martin Sheen the baddie. It's sort of really odd. It, it works. So it works. No, it totally does. He's he's a convincing bastard. Of, you know, he's, he really is. A, he really is a baddie. He's a guy you go like. I could believe people voting for him, and then doing some bad shit, you go, oh, yeah, totally get it. He is almost a Biden type thing, that, that kind of level, you know. Sort or, of... or a Trump kind of, yeah. But yeah. he's not inherently evil at the start. He, he is sort of trying to do good, but you can see how he's changed. Yeah. Well, but anyway, mm. we've digressed. Um, we'll move Sorry, on to... Did you, did you think in, in 20 years' time, like like pretty much everything ever made on TV or movies will be associated with Stephen King somehow? 
Do you I think, think it <laughs> Stephen King or Marvel essentially will be no, associated aye, with that? Aye, Disney or Stephen King, but it's not one of them, you know, that you know, they can't exist in our universe anymore. No, it's yeah. they, are the, they are the two pinpoints of, 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 of Stephen <laughs> King and the MCU. That's, that's all we have now. Definitely, definitely. Uh, right, carry on, sir. Sorry. Anyway, movies now for this week. So we'll, I'll battle through some ones that I've seen that you've not, and then we'll get to one we've both seen um, that we talked about a little bit last week, but we'll discuss more in detail. Um, yeah. The first one we're talking about is one that I've seen. It's on Apple Plus. Um, it was also <coughs> in some of your more arty cinemas, you know, your sort of classier cinemas. Ones that, BFT. Ones that look at me and you and go, you don't belong here. Um, you don't dress properly. You don't dress properly this film. Uh, <laughs> and that film is, yeah, and that film is called The Tragedy of Macbeth, which is directed by Joel Cohn. And this is his first solo outing. Um, he's obviously co-directed all of the Cohn Brothers flicks. So it felt odd that... Joel would do something by himself. I won't lie. It felt, Ethan, yeah. mm. felt a bit strange. You know, it's sort of like, it's not like Simon and Garfunkel when you go, Simon's clearly the talent and Garfunkel's along for the ride. This is more like, they, they do seem incom- like, you know, completely, they are one entity almost. Like, you don't imagine one's more talented than the other. It feels like too much a partnership. Yeah, it's kind of like the Wachowskis, though, isn't it? It's like Lana going doing Matrix without the other one, and you're like, oh, that, that's kind of odd as well. Kind of always been, um, what's the word, you know, well, obviously, it was only recently they've actually been cast as the Coen Brothers and the director because there was DJ roles. It was always Ethan got the directing credit for some reason. They always basically gave him the writing credit, the directing credit. Um, mm. But they always said openly, like, no, this is, it's a joint. We direct the film together. We write the film together. You know, it's all their own work. So Joe Cohn, obviously, directed all the Coen Brothers flicks. I'm not going to go into what the Coen Brothers flicks are because yeah. everyone knows every single one of them. They are some of the greats of cinema in the past, you know, 30-odd, 40 years. Um, yeah. The tragedy of Macbeth is obviously it's Shakespeare's Macbeth. You know, it's uh, the Scottish king vying for power, um, and that's essentially it. If you've seen it, you, you know what it is. Um, it's been done on stage a thousand times. It's been done in movies quite consistently just as well. As much, just as much, yeah. 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 Um, so in the film, you've got Denzel Washington. He plays Macbeth. Um, Francis McDormand plays his wife, who's Lady Macbeth. Um, I think yeah, that's her name, isn't it? She's not got a name. Is it? No, it's Lady Macbeth, you're right. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if she has a first name, but yeah, they, they, um, she's generally known as Lady Macbeth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's what was amazing about that. That's some people, people I knew were in this film, and I thought, oh, maybe it's like sort of that's a cast, uh, and probably got a bunch of like um, like good actors in it alongside who are sort of maybe not name actors, you mm. know what I mean? Like sort of just your, your solid, you know, maybe performers, you know, in it. So I was like, mm. you know what, it's fine. In the first minute in the film, guess who turns up? Tom Cruise. No. Brendan Gleeson. Oh, he, he, oh, that's a, that's a heavy actor as well, man. Yeah, so, so, he, free, so he plays big house. Yeah, he plays Duncan. Um, obviously, right. he's the old king. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got Harry Melling from, I believe he's in, uh, he's one, something in Harry Potter. I don't know who he is in Harry Potter. Um, Dudley, he's Dudley in Harry Potter. All right, okay, back that shit. Yeah. Yep, uh, you've got Catherine Hunter. She plays one of the witches, possibly three of the witches. You're not telling sure how many witches there are, but she plays the witches. Um, Corey Hawkins plays Macduff. Um, Corey Hawkins, you'll know from things like Straight Outta Compton, he plays Dr. Dre, he was in Kong Skull Island, he's in Black Klansman, um, tons of stuff, really good actor, yeah. in The Heights as well, uh, and also uh, Stephen Root pops up in it as well, which I'm always happy to see Stephen Root in pretty much anything, he's always enjoyable, and happily, literally I think the first voice you hear in it is um, one of the great voices of cinema now, is Ralph Innocent. His, his voice is, he's, he's got that Patrick Stewart, kind of Brian Blessed quality it's voice, where got- it's just... Timothy Dalton as well. You just you're drawn to that tone. It's just like, yeah, proper gravitas yeah. to it, and it's just yeah. sort of yeah, uh huh, yeah. Um, <coughs> right. Um, so you can't really spoil the film, so I don't know what it's all about. But um, 
<laughs> who does who hasn't, who hasn't seen Macbeth? And that that is an issue with with it because if you haven't seen Macbeth, you may struggle with this film because it's all done in Shakespearean dialogue, which, which would drive me fucking. I'm going to say this: I, you do trust my opinion sometimes, Colin. I'm going to say to you this: you should never watch this film. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. You will not enjoy it in any and only you might enjoy it some on a visual level, but in, other than that, you will not enjoy this film. Okay. Should I watch it muted? <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> watch it with subtitles. And really. <laughs> It would work because the actual look of the film is very, it's visually stunning. It's all black and white and there's no like sort of grey. It's literally black or white. It's like, it's very stark, almost like, like Ingmar Bergman kind of sound inspired look mm. about it. Very sort mm-hmm. of German expressionist, very European. It's certainly yeah. not what you expect. It's definitely the cookiness and the sort of off-ballness of the Combras is not in this at all. It's definitely not that. Um so it's, it's definitely a, a more straight adaptation, but done it as, in a very interesting way. Um, so stunt, from the opening shot to the final shot, it is visually fucking stunning. Like, it looks absolutely beautiful. Is it filmed as a cinematic stage play? Or it's not, is it no, but it does, as a movie? It's done as a movie, but it does feel very sparse and very empty at times. So it does feel like you could be watching a stage show, I thought, because there's not a lot of props. There's not a lot of, like detail background it's very like a, a black or a white and it's just it, it feels very much like it could be a stage production yeah. but the camera mm-hmm. the camera moves enough that it's not it's not like it's mm-hmm. constantly in front yeah um so the, like i said the pros because it is all in shakespearean dialogue that does for a lot of time it, it can create a problem with a lot of people and for myself as well i, I did at times struggle with like what i'm hearing you have to sort of really focus on it and um, yeah. it helps that i've seen it before and i've seen it other versions of it, i've seen it uh, done with like sort of more modern language so you can actually follow yeah. the story so I got that so you get the idea of like he's doing this to do that to that but the, the intricacies maybe don't quite come through because it's it, it's quite it is tough language to sort of to, yeah, to get into yeah, yeah 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 you know I mean even some even something like the witch which is a more modern language but still yieldy even something like that at times you're like um you know what you, you're really having to tune in and think and, and you Aye. know what you know, pay attention. I remember what it said. Yeah, when we saw the witch. Like somebody, I think Ralph Innocent said something on screen, and Jill went, "I mean, what did he say?" I'm going, "Oh, the sun come up." That's that's all he said. But the way he said it, obviously, is yeah, it's it's like a whole sentence, a descriptive oh, sentence, and it's like your sun's up. Yeah, uh, the sun come up. Totally, that's totally, all it is. Yeah. But it's, it's shaped very much like that. And maybe usually mm-hmm. fifty words, we could use one sometimes. But yeah, beautiful language, and also you've got. I mean, Denzel is probably the greatest actor of his generation, of probably many generations. Yeah, he's, he's I think so, yeah. I un- think so. Basically untouchable in terms of an acting. And Francis McDormand is even probably even more untouchable because, like, you know, she's she's Meryl Streep. And, they, you know, everyone gives Meryl Streep all the credit, but Francis McDormand has almost wiped the floor with Meryl Streep in terms of, like, awards and sort of performances. And in the last, like, 20 years, Francis McDormand has been far and away, like, probably the greatest actress in the last yeah, 20 years. she's a powerhouse. She, she, everything she does, she, she is... The center of uh-huh. that fucking entire universe, absolutely, and it's brilliant what she does. So you get two of the greatest actors of, of probably much of in cinema, acting, mm-hmm. like acting. You know, they 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 don't ever give a second yeah. up. You know, um, and equally the supporting cast, all fantastic as well because they're all again all very good actors. Especially I'm going to shout out to Catherine Hunter playing the witch. She is, it's a terrifying, creepy sort of interpretation of one of the witches. It's, it's ve- it's, she's very flexible and weird, so she can move her body in sort of very odd ways. It's, it's very, very disconcerting when you're watching it and you do feel very creeped out by it. And I mean, it's, <laughs> it's faint praise, but I remember when I was like, like a really young kid, we went to see a pantomime and it was a witch in a pantomime and it scared the shit out of me as a kid and I had the same vibe watching this 
of this, this oh. sort of other creature, <laughs> like otherworldly. Yeah. You, know, you, you don't think it, it feels doesn't belong. Yeah, how how can a person do that? It's oh. really, yeah, yeah. Much yeah. It's a beautiful example of cinema. Um, and it, look, I'm annoyed I didn't get to see it on the big screen. I think it looked absolutely stunning on the big screen, you know, on a, on a massive cinema. Um, but I will say this, it is very much for me a one-time watch. I cannot see yeah. myself going back to watch this again. Unless I'm doing a massive comb rolls binge and I feel the need to be a completist, which occasionally does happen. Um, but it, it's, it's very much, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad he done it. I'm glad he showed, he flexed myself going, look what I can do, like how good I am at filmmaking. It's great to see. Yeah. But I'm very much as a one-time watch. Maybe the one time I watched it, I very much enjoyed it. I'm giving it a 10 out of 10 just for sure for what it is. Oh, yeah. But I, I don't see myself going back to watch it, but I'm very, very happy that it exists in the world and it's, it's sort of... But sometimes that, that that's as much an accolade as, you know, thinking I'm going to watch this film over, you know, because oh. it, it's impacted so much, you know, you let, you know, that's, it's, it's untouched, you know, that, that yeah. that's it, you know, I've, I've absorbed it, I've taken it in and do you know what I mean? It's just it's hit me, and I yeah. don't need to see it again. Do you yeah, know it's not that, a long film. It's only long, it's literally yeah. hundred minutes long. It's not a long film at all. It's just it, but um, it's it a tough watch. And yeah. talking to our friend Stuart, he watched it as well. He said he had it did. It takes effort to get through at times because of the, the language, because of it. But it is it is beautiful to look at, and it is a stunning piece of cinema. Yeah, I think the last Shakespeare film I seen was um, the Fast Bender Macbeth. Remember? That I enjoyed that again. Back. That was visually very well um, done. And on it, I think I think my IMDb ratings two out of ten, maybe even one possibly for it. Um, I did struggled. Um, yeah. Within five minutes, I was angry. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm a bit of Philistine. I guess you know what I mean. But, but it just I, I do. I've just not got to talk to tolerance. The language is so. the language is a disconnect. If if you can't get into it, then you do feel you're just sitting there. What you're not. You're basically watching a foreign language. Yeah. Without subtitles. Yeah. Struggling yeah, with yeah. it. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that that is a definite. I mean, I'm not saying I'm, I'm definitely in no ways a Shakespearean, like, you know, expert anyway. I, I've enjoyed Shakespeare, but yeah. I, I I was strong with it at times as well. But for everything that I got from it, I was very pleased that I watched it, and it definitely yeah, it made fun. an impact. Yeah, I know you you were looking forward to this one. Um, that that's really going to confuse people listening. They'll hear this manly coughing and like this feminine coughing. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Um, but no, I I know you you are you've been kind of talk about this one for a few weeks leading up to it so I'm glad you got to see it and I'm glad that it, it met your expectations as well so that it makes me happy that you're happy seeing something um, yeah you know, it feels that, good when you see something that lives up to expectations yeah it doesn't yeah. happen often so it is, it is a, a, a nice thing when it does yeah. well done sir well done. That, 10, speaking, out of, 10 out of 10 10 out of 10, 10, 10. 10 because, because it, is, it is beautiful well, it's it's just, cannot, there's not a single thing in this film you can fault well listeners he gave it 10 out of 10. There you go. There you go. 10 you out of 10 cannot fault it. for There's not a single thing you can go, that's not very good. That's not done yeah. right. There's not a single yeah. thing you can fault. You know, you've got the greatest actors in the world acting with direction of one of the greatest directors in the world. Reading with maybe one of the greatest scripts in the world. Yeah, one yeah. of the greatest playwrights in yeah. the history of the, of, the probably the greatest yeah. playwright in history. And you go, yeah. not really much you can do to fuck that up, to be honest. Is it? You know, it's like, <laughs> the only, if I'm going to give it a mark down, no disappointment was no one does a Scottish accent. And I was genuinely looking forward to hearing Denzel turn out in his, his, his Highland brogue. I was I was I hoping think, we might I get think something. Denzel would have a better Scottish accent than us. So Probably, yeah. Sure. I was, sure. was genuinely intrigued to hear will Denzel <laughs> rock out some Scots. He doesn't, but um, it'd be interesting to see. Do you know what? Oh, he Denzel, do you get it with Denzel? Denzel must be like in his sixties now or something. Must be. Yeah, yeah. Do the swagger and power he has when he walks. Oh yeah, he's he's, he's Denzel. 
I think he's Denzel, and I think he's always had that swagger. It's not. Uh-huh. He's not got the swagger because he's became Denzel. He's no, not got Denzel's got the swagger. He, he kind of has the same. The closest I can think of this character I would think of when I when he's watching the performance of it was his training day character. Yeah, that that boldness. Yeah, the, it's a crossover between his version of Training Day and his uh, Malcolm X. It's got that yeah. level of just the swagger and the sort of the confidence and, and stuff like that. It was just a, a wonderful point. Denzel, good performance. Who, who would have thought, you know? Did, did you get to the point, I think what always sums it up is, you know, a good performance is when you're watching the film and you're no longer watching Denzel playing Macbeth. You're watching Macbeth. I'm watching Macbeth, yeah. That's, that's it. Yeah. Denzel is an I'm, actor who, even though you know it's Denzel, there doesn't yeah. come the point in any role he plays when you forget it's Denzel. <laughs> And you're yeah, watching I, it. I you're love that when that happens. Yeah. I think the four does that for me quite a lot. You're watching it, and you know, you just just suddenly you don't know it's the character. It's not. It's not the four acting as that character. You're watching the character. Uh, yeah, it, it's brilliant when it happens. Absolutely love it so much when they just become the character and you're with them. Do you know what I mean? You're like hundred percent. Can't see the can't see the actor anymore. Yeah. Brilliant. So, it's on Apple Plus. Yeah. If anyone's got Apple Plus, it's there for free on Apple Plus. So by all means, fire into it. Go get it. Go get it, yep. So on from that, some cinema watches now. So we'll start with one that I saw, um, which is Scream, but not Scream. This Scream. is the new Scream. Or Scream 2, or Scream 3, or Scream three, 4. Scream four. This is it's, Scream 5. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually only Scream. Um, <laughs> directed by Matt Bettelini-Oppen um, and Tyler uh, Gillette, um, who directed Ready or Not a couple of years ago. One, the one we okay, like that Red one. Red or not was good. I enjoyed Red. I enjoyed the shit. Red or not, yeah, I thought yeah, it was really yeah, fun, was really, really inventive really good, and really yeah. clever. <laughs> um, the plot of this one is: it's a scream film. Um, there's a ghost face killer. He is back. He is killing people who are connected to the original scream movies, um, and he's knocking them off, um, which forces some of the original legacy characters in Scream to sort of come back to Woodsboro in order to fight the ghost face killer again. Okay, Sounds that's like a- Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> in the film you've got Neve Campbell or Neve Campbell playing Sydney Prescott you've got Courtney Cox playing Gail Weathers not Gail Strong like we said last week Gail Weathers um, David Arquette plays Dewey the, the very lovable Dewey, yep. Dewey. and you've also <laughs> got Melissa Barrera she's sort of the new sort of um, is she the new Sydney? essentially yeah she's the new yeah. Sydney but not Sydney I'll explain one in a minute and you get Marley, Marley Shelton pops up in it as well our, one of our favourites Jack Quaid pops up in it as well mm. Uh, and also, I do like Jack. the ever young-looking Skeet Ulrich pops up in it as well. The the, the boy who never was, isn't he? He's like he was tipped for such big things, and then he just he was like, "Who?" Skeet well, Jill turned to me during it. She went, "Is that is that um is that Johnny Depp?" I'm going, "No, but <laughs> probably up for probably I'm guaranteeing the young days are up for every single role the same." Yeah, yeah. Probably him, yeah, Depp, and DiCaprio were probably up for all the yeah. same roles. Um, absolutely, absolutely. I think they've done a wee bit of CGI on to make him look because he literally looks the fucking same as he did in the first scream. Which spoiler for the first scream, he dies in the first scream. But this, this yeah. is a sort of um, the reason for him. But uh, he's not he's not back from the dead or anything. But he's in it. He's in the film. Um, this is I, I, I like the scream films. Um, they sort of again yeah, the first scream yeah. film came out in like ninety seven. I thought you say something like that. Yeah. yeah, and that is just the right age when I was just properly well, not. The right age, but it hit me at the right time as a teenager. Just you know, that was the kind of film I was into. Um, I enjoyed how it sort of 96 it came out. Sorry, it didn't take the piss out of horror films, but it sort of it cast a light on them, it cast a sort of a, a, a mirror on them. They sort of it was a known wink, but in, in a nice way, in a homage way, not in a you yeah. know, like, 
not in fucking scary movie kind of way, you know. Aye, it's very, never, very never meta, like that, you know. Yeah. I like nasty, yeah. I enjoyed the fact that everyone in the film were film geeks. That really appealed to me, you know. They all, yeah. but, and also what I really like about it, like the original Scream and this one as well, is they know they're in a horror film. Like they know, <laughs> and the same, and the way that annoys me a lot of, a lot of zombie films is no one ever says the word fucking zombie in it or even realizes a zombie. Yeah. You don't know, you go, you've all, does the zombies genre not exist in this world that, you, that no one can go, that, that's a zombie? You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I, they're not fucking walkers, they're the zombies. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that, that's what annoys me. So this is a, this is a genuinely really fun sequel or requel, as they call it. It's not a remake. It's not a sequel. It's a requel. Um, <laughs> it's it delivers all that meta, knowing horror, all the winks, and everybody knows what it is, and everyone sort of in the same way it stream does. And I, I really like that. You know, it lays down the rules of the horror film. You always got to keep an eye on these people and that person. You know, it's it's. You, it it plays with your expectations, but it doesn't. It's, it's it's predictable in an unpredictable way. Like you think you know what's coming. You know, you think when that door when that door shuts, there's a killer behind it. Oh shit, there's no killer there. Oh, that's weird. Oh, shit, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, it happens. It's it's a joyous thing of don't make yeah. the shark appear when the music's going. Make it when there's no music and people will shit themselves. That's yeah. kind of what happens in this. Um, I really like the really nice balance of the old characters and the legacy ones. Um, where the legacy characters aren't, they're in it, but they're not the main crux of the story. The, the, the new characters are the sort of, they are the driving force behind the story. And the, the, <coughs> the legacy characters are there to support it, which I thought was a big issue with Halloween, where again, they sort of focused it around Jamie Lee again, when I felt they should have tried to branch it a little bit. Then they done the opposite, then they done the, the biggest problem they had in the second one, where they tried to bring in fucking enough, Jamie. Yeah. And too many other legs of character, you go, like, holy shit, like there's too many people on this yeah. now. This this yeah. sticks to the three main ones: Campbell, Cox, and Arquette. Um, there is the police chief, the girl who was sort of fancy Dewey in the second film. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. She's in it. Um, but that's about it. Um so I, I really so, enjoyed it. My Go biggest well. fear about this film, I've not seen it yet. So my biggest fear is that it, it's basically a lazy remake of Scream, which no, is it's a not. It is. Of, no, it's not. I mean? that, that's my fear, of, and that's why I'm kind of reluctant to go and see it. So, am I right? Wrong? <laughs> it is a remake of Scream, but mm. it's done in a fun and interesting way. It makes much like you were talking about with Star Wars. It makes a really interesting commentary on fandom and what. When people become fans of something, how they think they have ownership of it, yeah. and how they feel once they like it, then you only have you do what I say you do because you can't make the hero of Star Wars a woman. That's not right. It has to be a guy. It has to be you know you can't do this with that. We we yeah. own this franchise. So go like no, you don't own it. Yeah. It's it's in the hands of the filmmakers. Now they can put their own spin on it. They can do what they want with it. But and you can choose to reject or accept that accept as much as you it, want. Yeah. But yeah. you have no. You have no ownership on Star Wars, yeah. You know, and it's you and people who like scary films. People like Scream have no ownership of Scream Two or Scream Three. It's it's what make it so. Take a really interesting commentary on what that is, and the best way, the same way that you know Romero could do, he can make an, a, a, a make a horror film, but make a bigger point behind it. And that this film does it really mm. well. Um, over what yeah. the, the idea of a toxic a toxic fan base, which. There's quite a few out there now, you know, that the um the Ghostbusters fan base is obviously very toxic, you know. Horrid, horrid. Yeah. Even my even the Marvel fan base is getting can be very, pretty pretty shitty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Star Wars yeah. one can be pretty shitty. You know, I yeah. have found recently online the fucking Batman one, even towards myself, has been pretty shitty. Well, 
because I made a comment about you know the new Batman film being two hours, the two hours and fifty five minutes long, like the, you know, and that, and I go, I got fucking abuse on Twitter for making a, an anti Batman comment. Oh, dude, how dare you? That's I know, and I'm, and I'm a big <laughs> Batman fan. Um, oh, another thing, I made a joke about um, the film that Mother Android film. The um, the poster for it says from the producer of the Batman. I'm going, that's kind of a weird way to promote a film based on the fact you're, you're promoting it on a film that's not actually out yet. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I got shit for that on Twitter for making a comment about not showing true support for the Batman. I'm like, fuck um, off. Quick, so, quick digression, Garden Path Time. Sorry, did you, you've started it. You've opened the gate and I'm going to wander down the path. Okay. But, um, so about, can it be 10 years ago, me and my brother, <coughs> um, done, we've done a spoof rock band. Um, yes. called Rock Hill, yeah. And we, we, we kind of had all these characters with band members and stuff like that. And each song would have like a wee kind of intro and outro mm. the characters interacting. Mm. And I think at the very last song we'd done, it was um, This Is Our Final Song because the singer's been arrested because he, he had heroin in his house and his dog ate a heroin and it died. Yeah. And we kind of put that kind of on Twitter as a joke and we got backlash for people saying, how could you do that to a dog? And we're like, oh. Fuck's... <laughs> we're like come on, man. This... Twitter is not a place for humour, man. It's not a place for comedy. You're going to offend somebody. And like I said, I'm, I'm amazed at how people were being really shy at me over making questionable co- or, or, or questioning the Batman. It's like, it's not even fucking out yet. And people, yeah, totally. people are so inherently, this film will be amazing. You have to defend it almost without even seeing it. And it's like, yeah, what the hell? you don't see the film first and then decide. I mean, because usually the first ones that will fucking fool yourself and your swords. I mean, when it's shit and see how right. bad it was. We've already, we've already went crazy. Anyway. The poor girl who's playing Batgirl because the costume's not to their liking. <sighs> Was you shooting in Glasgow, yeah. by the way? I didn't know this. Um, yeah, yeah. Did, I told you I've seen it. It's been filmed. I knew Batman oh. was filmed. I didn't know the Batgirl was filmed in Glasgow. Oh, the Batgirl? Oh, I didn't know that either. No, yeah. no. Oh, it's filmed in Glasgow as well. Yeah, yeah, and my comment, by the way, about Batman, but it was like going, why is it three hours? Surely you don't really need an origin story and all that kind of stuff, so surely yeah. you can get it down yeah. in two hours, make a good proper detective film. No, people people, people didn't look like that. Yeah, take a leaf out Spider-Man's route. Marvel kind of nailed it with Tom Holland. They're like, you know what? I've kind of seen this shit, do you know what I mean? We don't need to know anymore how he became Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah and we all know how Bruce Wayne became Batman. Batman. It's, you know, it's yeah. even our fucking, you know, filming time. Yeah. Exactly, and you get more screenings in. Anyway, anyway, we digress. Back to Scream, <laughs> back to Scream 5, or Scream. Um, I had a shit on a film with it. I really enjoyed yeah. it. The scales kind of made me, didn't, none of them really freaked me out, but a couple made me jump. And yeah. some good gore in it. It zigs. When you expect to zig, zag, you expect to zag. But every now and again, it'll do a quicker zigzag than you expect, and that kind of throws you. Um, yeah. And no, I just genuinely really enjoyed it. I enjoyed its meta commentary. I enjoyed the, the whole thing about the toxic fan base, how it sort of takes the piss out of it a little bit and sort of makes that button makes them look stupid, which I'm all for. Um, so, no, I, I, do you I think the fans that it's aiming at are, I'll get that they are the fans that it's aimed at, or do you I'm think it's really just really hope- I'm hoping so, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm hoping to do. I'm hoping to do, because the toxic fan base is is sort of behind the, the evil in it. So I'm hoping that people recognise. Go, oh, that's the bad thing. Therefore, I shouldn't be that anymore. You know, I'm hoping that's what it is. Cool. <laughs> you know, totally dug it. Totally enjoyed it. Well, I had I had um, worries about it. Get into it, yeah. it yourself. Yeah. Um, I don't know if my bar was low, but honestly, on a Monday after work sitting there, I laughed when I should laugh. I giggled. I was. Genuinely quite excited when I saw things I reckon. I went, oh, that's cool they brought that into. That was nice. And it done what a legacy sequel should do in, in many ways. And oh. I'm not a fan of the legacy sequel. You know, I wasn't really a fan of what yeah. they did with like some certain parts of Ghostbusters. And they've done it with Star Wars as well. They've done it with other things. Yeah. I don't think you really need to do this. You can make your own story. But for what it was, I genuinely quite enjoyed this. I had a lot of fun with it. Did um, Jill grip your arm quite tight? She did. And she enjoyed it. And she enjoyed yeah, it as well. Cool. 
good or is how you wrote it's good, isn't it? It's really, that, that, yeah. real, that hurts your heart, yeah. <laughs> mister. Really, speaking of, speaking of I, we watched Scream 4 in preparation for it because I haven't seen I, I knew 1, 2 and 3 pretty, pretty well, but I thought I can't really mm. remember 4 that well. 4 yeah. holds up very well, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. They're all, but all four Scream films, they are good. It was a consistently good run. I yeah. think, you know, it kind of dilutes eventually as it has to. But, I think um, the only bad one is, I think the only average one is three. And, and even that's a passable horror film. Oh, yeah, passable it's, horror film, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's not a bad movie at all. Do yeah. you know what I mean? At all. It's still, it knows exactly what it is. Um, just out of curiosity, does Jane Silent Bob turn up in this one? They do not turn up in this one. No, no. 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 Cool. Cool. But for the record, my ratings on my, my um, order will be for quality is one, two, five, four, three. Oh, cool, cool, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you've maybe, you've, well, as I say, I kind of do kind of want to see it, but, you know, I've not, kind of, it's been cold and I've been tired and it's not been enough kicking ass. So I think you've given me the, the push and motivation. I shall catch it next week for yeah. sure. Out of 10, I'm giving it 7.5 out of 10. Nice for a horror film. I always say any horror film over a five is, is, is doing Done well. <laughs> yeah, definitely, man. Horror, right. Horror's not out to win Oscars. So, no. Yeah. On from this well one, I will talk about, you can talk about a bit more of this one, you've seen this one, it's called Licorice mm. Pizza, which is yeah. still in the cinema, which I'm really happy to see. Which is, right, so just very quickly again, man, see, so we, we're British, yeah, mm. and, and over the pond, they spell licorice different. From There's no Q? Why no Q? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, so when you go to Google it, you go, oh, for fuck's sake, and you Aye. just delete and start again. It's very yeah. annoying, man, you know, drop the Q, for fuck's sake, or don't add the Q, whatever, man. Add the Q, keep, keep the Q in, we like the Q. Keep the Q in, Licorice. Sorry, go directed by uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who did films mm. like Boogie Nights and uh, The Master, Will Be Blood, and um, one that you like a lot is Inherent Vice, which I really did not yeah. get on side with, but that's that one. Mm. Um the plot of this film is basically there's a young guy and a young girl. Um, he's in high school. She's a bit older in high school. They meet at a sort of the, the, a photo taken, like sort of gradu- not graduation, like sort of yearbook photo taken. But he's a very charming sort of unconventional looking, but very charming, very confident guy. And she begins very to charismatic, very yeah. charismatic. He's a bit of a hustler, you know. He does basically mm. a lot of stuff to make money. It's set in the 1970s, so kids can get away with a lot more than they could they could nowadays. Shit. Um, <laughs> And essentially, it's kind of tracking their relationship um, as they sort of become friends. He obviously, he likes her a lot. She's not really sure, because she's of the opinion that he's 15, she's 25. So there is a, yeah. an, there is a certain illegality to, the, to that relationship. Yeah. <laughs> and essentially, it's over a course of like sort of series of almost... Not quite vignettes, but it's sort of a series of almost like small movies, sort of just events. That, it's just events, isn't it? You know, like from one event to the next. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. almost little kind of vignette mini movies, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Sort of tracking the friendship and their um, sort of caring for each other, and, and you know the same way you know, a lot of like rom coms do. And um, yeah. in the film, you've got playing sort of the young boy is um, Cooper Hoffman, obviously the son of Philip Seymour Hoffman, which, which I you didn't know. know so <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. so sorry. <laughs> you've also got. Um, Playing the opposite of him is Alana Haim uh, from the rock band Haim. Um, it's both... not Haim, it's Haim, apparently. Haim, is that what it is? It's Haim, they're Jewish, yeah. So the band's okay. called Haim because they're, they're, they're Jewish family and stuff. Like Makes that. sense. So, yeah, um, there you go. Um, both the sisters uh, are all... for last week. <laughs> it's three sisters, isn't it, who are in the band? There's three of them, yeah, and they're all in the movie as well, yeah. Yep, yeah. Um, you've got Sean Penn pop up in it as well, Tom Waits pops up in it as well, Bradley Cooper's in it for a little bit, Benny Safdie is in it as well. Also, it, almost cameos, but... <coughs> the Capriol's dad's in it at one point. Is he? I didn't know. Uh-huh. And so are two of Spielberg's kids are in it as well. 
I didn't know. Right, okay, right. So Spielberg's, open, I think Spielberg's daughter is a girl at the start who's taking the names at the photo shoot bit. Ah, right, okay. I can't remember the other one. There's, there's two Spielbergian kids in it, so... Well, well that's, you know. that's really cool. So let, let's, can we start by addressing the elephant in the room of this one? So okay. you, you're probably aware yourself of the, 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 the kind of online backlash for this film. Yes. Um, so the, the, the main things that it gets backlash for is the age thing, which you, you briefly touched on. Um, he's 15, she's 25. So the, the, the kind of what we're seeing just now is a lot of, you know, a bit of this was a film where he was 25 and she was 15, you know, it would be an outrage and stuff like that. Um, what's your thoughts on that, first of all? Well, I don't think the film at any point says that what they're doing is correct. It's very much it. his pursuit of her. She is very sort of standoffish. She doesn't, yeah. she, she acknowledges the fact that she likes him, but she knows he's too he's a, young. He's, 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 he's young, yeah, yeah. And also, she makes points throughout the film saying, "Is it weird to hang about with like these young kids?" And she, yeah, so yeah, she does. So I don't think it, it, it doesn't feel in any way predatory in no, the film. I don't, I don't think so. Whereas, I think like also, something like Lolita, for example, to me, when I watch Lolita now, the, the Kubrick version right, or any other version mm, of it, that mm, feels that is an older man being predatory towards a younger, a younger yeah. girl. And I think yeah. that's the, that's the unfortunate flip side. When you see the opposite way of it, it does always feel predatory. Now, you could easily do this film and make it feel like a predatory woman after a young boy. You could absolutely do that film. It's but this not, doesn't feel like, it yeah. doesn't feel like that. Yeah. It, there's a lot, there's yeah. too much sweetness and charm. And not because it's wrong to say he's um sort of pursuing her, so that therefore it's okay. But I I never felt at any point he was at risk. I don't think she would do anything. Yeah. In the film, and I think that was very clearly made because there's moments when something could happen that it doesn't. Um, yeah, and I think that's a big, I think that's a key difference. There's actually yeah. another moment in the film that I found more uncomfortable than that whole thing, which, which we'll touch on in a minute. Which okay, we'll get, I think you know we'll what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah, I know what you're talking about exactly. We'll get that. I was going to say, so, so I think with the whole age thing and stuff like that, um, I think also the film is based in the 70s. And I think that was a different time where stuff like this was pro- was legally no, but acceptable at the time, probably. Yes, I mean, I remember being, being you know, like a kind of 13, 14 year old kid and, and, you know, hanging about with older kids and, you know, they'd come to the house and they'd, they'd kind of girls would come over. They were maybe like, I mean, I was like 13, 14 and be like 18, 19 year old girls in the house and I'd get crushes on them. Do you know what right. I mean? I'd, I'd chat to them and, you know, I'd try and be all cool and stuff like that and sometimes... Oh, I'd this ends with you telling me you pulled a 35-year-old at 13 missing about very sexy episodes. Uh, <laughs> no, not at that age. No. But, you know, like, you know now, now and again, I would get the, the odd wee kiss or something from my girl who was maybe like kind of five, six years older and yeah. it's like, it never went any more than that. You know, oh. it was like, you know, that was nice, that was that, and, you know, and I'd you know, jerk off for a few days after. Do you know I mean, have happy memories, but at the time, that was like, yeah, and so what? Do you know what I mean? It was like, you know, there was no pretty intention. It was just like, you know, yeah, it was fun. There you go, done and dusted. And mm. I kind of get what he's going for with that with the times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It was different times. If he'd based the film in the here and now, yeah, it would have been a completely different film. Um, yes, agreed. I mean, agreed. Back, back then, I, I think he's shown, you know, back then at the time, you know, what's the issue? And as you say, it's not, you know, it's not a sexualised film. That's not what it's going for. Anyway, well, there's, there's, a quite, there's a point about it as well. We're talking about um, the Game of Thrones was very sexual and it made, it put mm. sexualisation and nudity in it for no reason. There's moments yeah. in this film where they could do that if they wanted to, and they but don't. they choose not to. 
Yeah, because it's it's not that it's not required, but you get the, you get the point about, of making yeah. it every point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So the next elephant in the room is um, that the the Japanese scene is, is that, that where we're going to go next. Yes, that felt. I felt. Oh, it, 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 I don't know what they were doing with it. It felt right. wrong. Yeah, it, it's uncomfortable. So, so just to get it's uncomfortable. I felt uncomfortable. Seeing going, yeah. that's not funny. Yeah. And it, even if you're trying to put something in the seventies, it felt even wrong there. I just, it, it felt, I don't know, if it, 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 I, I really, it's only yeah. two scenes, it's only two scenes in the film. And, and there's a payoff, I mean, it does. There's, there's, there's a payoff. There, there's a payoff at the very end, but the payoff, you're like, oh, cringe. And I the, totally. The payoff doesn't need him to do that to make yeah. it funny, you know? Yeah. yeah. And um, that's the point. So, what I done was I went on a B mission because I'd read about this when I was watching it. I had the exact same feelings and reactions as you. I was like, oh, you know, it, it made me squirm in my seat. Yeah, you know I mean? it like, felt like, so bad. Know, it felt so wrong. I almost blushed. I mean, watched it. Oh. At that point, I was like, fuck, you know, this is what's going on here. Do you know what I mean? This is really weird. It just feels like I feel guilty now for watching this film uh-huh. almost. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to look this up and see what's happened. So I've been on a wee online mission and stuff like that. So one thing I discovered um, that I kind of think I understand, kind of, when, when I was reading about it, is apparently Paul W. Anderson's mum was Japanese. Not, not W. Anderson, it's Paul Thomas Anderson. Sorry, Paul W. Paul Anderson Thomas did Resident Evil. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> but his mum is Japanese, so I think he's drawn from experience, perhaps. Possibly, or but that's how, that's that's how that's people like saying... would speak to his mum. Do you know what I mean? Um, nah, not it's, it's almost, I don't know. I mean, it's almost like, right, let's say you make a movie, um, you, you're I'm trying to think a, a good kind to of me. This is the same to... situation of when Tarantino uses a, uses a certain word a lot, mm. mm-hmm. but he's like, it's okay because it's a black actor saying it, and I've got lots of black friends. It's like. Does it make it all right to say it, man? You can't constantly but, use that word. But then his biggest defender is Samuel L. Jackson. It is. I mean, yeah. True. Who's a black man who's saying the words that the white man's right from the saying. He's, he, you know, he's he's the one that, that's always stood up and said, no, you know, I have fucking no issue with it. And here's why. Um, I, when I was reading that, I, I mean, I guess if he was a kid and he's seen people speaking to his mum in that way. Yes. Can I get? And I think, I mean, what what really got me thinking was, how many films has this man made? Right, yeah. he, he's not. He, he's an intelligent man. He he's clever. Is. Exactly. He's not going to do something like this. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend it. By the way, yeah. but I'm just. I'm. I'm thinking he's not going to do something like this to alienate an audience or upset people. Yeah. So be it explained or unexplained, I think there's a reason behind it. There may be a um, reason behind it, but. The payoff gag of it all at the end, yeah, right, yeah. makes what he did in those scenes wrong. Even worse, yeah. Yes, it, because yeah, I mean, if he's saying he heard people talk to his mum that way, they're doing it out of a sense of ignorance, right? Because they think yeah. this is what it is. Yeah. He's doing that knowing that it's not yeah. working. And that's yeah, what makes it more offensive. It's nuts. I mean, like you say, I mean, I, honestly, I was like, I did, I was happy with a lot. <coughs> Almost felt like looking away from the screen. Oh, do you know what I mean? It's really it's genuinely jarring. uncomfortable. Um, I think he will be. I think he will be held to counsel for it, and he will have to eventually say, you know, here's why I done it. And I think mm. he will have. I, I genuinely think in his head, there'll be here's why I done it, and it will make perfect sense to him. Um, yeah. And again, as I say, I can. I can. I 
almost as if his mum was Japanese and as a you know 10 year old kid at that point in his life that's how he seen people speaking to yeah. his mum that's the perception he's put on celluloid possibly yeah, possibly um, I think it'll get used when they're trying to like sort of when people are trying to like push other films for Oscars this will be sort of something that's held against it because it is, it is oh, trying to go for, for many Oscars for sure um, but yeah it was it was just fucking weird um, it, it just it was almost like it was from like a 70s exploitation film almost just thrown in there for it, do you know what I mean like, it's the same way something you watch Smoking the Bandit now and you go there's some stuff I really love about Smoking the Bandit, but there's other stuff you go, mm. that's just, it feels cringy. And I almost yeah, don't want to watch yeah. it because of the, the slightly other things in it. This felt out of place. I felt like it came from that kind of film, put in here and it felt out of place. And that's why I'm confused, because again, back to, that he's, he's, you know, if you're a film director for a start, there's a certain intelligence that's got to be projected yeah. upon you. You're not a stupid person. Yeah. Um, Lauder's directors such as him, again, or even, you know, the the fucking... You know, really smart people. There's yeah. got to be a, a, a in his head a rationale for that, that that must you know come out at some point. I guess. Yeah. It's got anyway, to be one of the better parts of this film. Um, better parts of the film. <laughs> two leads: uh, Cooper Hoffman and Alana Hayam. Um, no, I they're thought called were... ha- they're called Haim. The band's Hayam. Oh, for ah. fuck's sake! So she is Alana Haim, but the band are called Hayam. Right? Yeah, Alana Haim. Um, I thought they two were fantastic together. I thought there was genuine real chemistry between the two of them. I thought they were brilliant on screen, magnetic. Absolutely, yeah. And for two kids that I had never seen acting before, mm-hmm. remember I said to you last week, I was like, I rushed home and I looked up, who's this Who's this mm-hmm. boy? And I was like, I've never heard of him. He's, he's, he's the same hairstyle his dad, the way he flicks his hair. He looks like, like him, dude, right in retrospect, I get it. You know, <laughs> like, hey, don't be so stupid. But yeah, I mean, for the both of them, she's done music videos. She, you know, and, and a few kind of YouTube it's stuff. Big things, I. Yeah, and look, fucking hell, man! How do you find that? How do you pull that kind of talent out yeah. of non-acting kids? <coughs> yeah, fucking hell! I thought it was excellent. What I did, there's a wee, some, there's a wee, someone pointed out to me. It wasn't. I didn't figure it myself. It was online. This film is set in 1973. Okay. Um, okay. So is Almost Famous. It's set in 1973. You guys right. almost famous? No. Philip Seymour Hoffman. He plays Lester Banks as a music journalist, and they're both in California. He's in California. This is film is set in California. So uh-huh. in in the movie world, in movie reality, him uh-huh. and his son are sort of like in the same the shared in the same universe at the same in time. the same world. They, 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 they could bump yeah. it. And so there's a moment well, in this film when he says something along the lines of they're talking about how being cool is in this yeah. film. There's a big thread running through almost famous of like you're not cool. Like, I know I'm not cool, but, you know, we pretend we're trying to be cool and they make you think cool. So these two guys who are trying to be cool, but ultimately know they're not, um, I've got the same sort of outlook on life and I, and I kind of, I like the idea of them bumping into each other and that, that made me oh. happy when someone pointed out to me. Oh, cool. That's, that's nice to know, man. Yeah, totally. That's pretty cool. Like, <coughs> like I said, be it, happy, happy coincidence. Yeah. Yes. On the film itself, it, like I said, it's a series of many, almost a series of many movies, almost like a little vignette almost of like, Moments that happen in sort of like little kind of almost chapters of stories, and but there's, there's, the overarching story is their narrative of their relationship running through and how they interact with each other. Yeah. There's not yeah. a lot of time story to story, kind of, it's kind of, it, it jumps, but it doesn't feel like a jump at times, you know. Yeah, it, exactly. it, just, it just moves along at its own yeah. pace, you know. It's you're in no control at all, you're just sitting yeah. and you're just watching it happen before you, and you're like, yeah. Cool. And speaking of that, 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 is, that was my biggest issue with it. First two thirds of the film, I was very much with. Mm-hmm. Um, up until after the scene with the waterbed removal with um, Bradley Cooper. 
that where you that, off. that felt near the high point in the film. Mm-hmm. The whole story with Benny Safdie and the, the congressman and all that stuff and the pinball um, warehouse thing, that felt, A, that felt like he's repeating the same story and it just it took a long time to finish. I felt, it, it felt like it lost a bit of direction, momentum and just sort of, I, I, I struggled to the end and my good lady next to me was not particularly quiet about her dislike of the final third because she was getting very fidgety next to me and sort of, Oh, say, she, she, wanted, she wanted the film to end, and and I and I, did, I wasn't quite as annoyed as her, but I did understand it. It did feel like a bit directionless yeah. towards the end, and especially that when it's not a linear path as well. Yes. because yeah. you kind of where is you know where is the end? You know what what says this is it? This is it? Because yeah. it could have they could have ended it quite a lot of scenes before that, and it'd have been like they could have tied up a bit well, quicker. Yeah, yeah. because they had a yeah. they could have like fifteen minutes after the the, the Bradley Cooper thing mm-hmm. to sort of to, to tie it up in some way. Um, yeah, but um, I would say, how much does PTA love a tracking shot? He, oh, he does, and he's good. He's good at it. Good, he is good at them, yeah. But he yeah, loves a tracking shot, man. He does. He also loves making people run as well. He does. Yeah. <laughs> There's like, a lot of running in the film. Is this is why I couldn't be a PTA a film. I was like, I'm not going to run, man. I need, I need no. a film that makes me walk. You know, it's like yeah. <laughs> I'm strong. I'm strolling. I'm not fucking running. You know, take any film that makes me stagnant. I'm, I'm, like, I'm like <laughs> a stagnant. I want to be buried, but I don't have to move off the set. That's what I want. Um, so I think. Some of the comments I've been reading um, are, are very divisive over Cooper. Um, I've heard shouts, uh, you know, Oscar for Cooper, and I've heard shouts of, you know, he was just, you know, playing a, a character over the top that, that was, you know, Cooper playing a character over the top. Where did, where did you find the Cooper? I thought was he was excellent. Good? I yeah, thought he was I excellent. Him. I really enjoyed him. I thought both, I think all the actors in were excellent. Um, yeah, yeah. I particularly enjoyed absolutely. Cooper and Alana. Uh, uh, they were, I thought they were excellent. I thought they really, they, they, every part of the relationship felt believable and every part of their interaction felt real and it did feel very much like almost dialogue wasn't written it was all just sort of flowed yeah it was, it was yeah. a natural dialogue you couldn't so, see the cogs turning it was just yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you get it from the, from the almost the opening minute of the film when, it, when she's going down the line trying to get people to brush her hair or look in the mirror and they start yeah. talking you're led to believe that's a first interaction ever that's yeah. that's the kind of point of it but it feels like it's Natural, it feels just it's feel it's it's wonderful to watch. Yeah, um, do you think it had a link later feel to it? I, I think I'd touched on this vaguely last week because you weren't because you were saying you're not a huge fan of PTA. You were like, I, I'm, I'm not convinced yet, and I was saying, I don't think this feels I thought this felt more in the link later universe than it did to PTA. It film. felt if, if there was a, a Venn diagram of link later and sort of some Cameron Crow stuff, it felt sort of in the ballpark of them together. Mm. Mm-hmm. Good show. Very much in that. Crow. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt very much that. in that yeah. sort of the, the Venn diagram where they two cross. This would exist quite happily, but also there's a little bit of Scorsese yeah. in it as well. Um, I thought mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in the the restaurant and the sort of the um, mm. it felt it felt not quite. It wasn't like dark, like a mean streets or a Goodfellas, but it had a sort of there was definitely. <coughs> Definitely a, sort of a, Europe, edginess, maybe. a European influence. And Scorsese's always got a very European influence on his filmmaking. I felt that yeah. was certainly there as well. But no. Um, on, on the restaurant scene, one standout for me that, that I was generally surprised by how good I thought the performance was. And for me, if there was Oscar talk, I would say Sean Penn. No. Um, I thought he was brilliant. And I forgot yeah. how good he is. And I forgot how good he emotes that face. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Just... And I was totally blown away by him. I was really, really... I've not seen Sean Penn for a long no, time. No, I agree. <laughs> I agree he's very good, but I think 
with the Sean Penn role and the Bradley Cooper role, it's too brief to be, and it's too much of just a, it's too ineffectual on the plot, essentially, in a way that it's like, that it, it shouldn't count towards an Oscar, if, if that makes yeah, sense. I feel, so. Yeah. People um, have had Oscars for less screen time and, and for, you know, less less affecting roles, I guess. Possibly, yes, possibly. But I, I, I think, if they give, particularly if they give it to Bradley Cooper for this, mm-hmm. it's more of a, we should have gave it to you for A Star Is Born, so we're giving it to you for this. It this is fact, it's an atonement more than... An uh, actual reserving uh, award. Yeah. Um, and Sean Penn's already got one, so he doesn't need one. I didn't... So, so I was going to ask you about this. So a lot of this... Again, I'd mentioned last week, it's almost like Once Upon a Time, um, where there's real historical events tie in real historical characters and stuff like that, which a lot is lost to me because I'm not as much an aficionado as you are on American history. How did you find those parts where it tied in real life events? It tied in pretty well. I did, and I actually quite enjoyed Bradley Cooper's interpretation of John Peters Mm -hmm. um, because there's a moment when he says, uh, I'm from the streets. Like he makes it out like he's thinking about something. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a bit when Kevin, I don't know if you ever seen the, the first live Kevin Smith QA, he taught he tells a John Peters story about making Spider-Man and not trying to make um, Superman. Yeah, John Peters was producer of that. And one thing that John Peters kept saying to him was number eight, he wants a giant fucking spider in it, which okay. But he also said to Kevin Smith, Oh, you know, you know why we like each other? Because we're the same, we're from the streets. And it I don't know if that's something that people that John Peters said a lot, but I, I, that made it's, me laugh a lot in the film. So yeah, like, oh, someone's done, someone's done the research it. on at least what John Peters says. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rather than who he, that, I don't know if I don't know if he's interpreting the character was yeah. I've not really read enough about him, but that one line made me kind of like, oh shit, they have they've yeah, obviously but, someone knew about him. Um I, I really enjoyed the we did just the, the, the kind of final Bradley Cooper scene where he's walking in the background with they're sitting on the, the roadside and he's just walking past and the tennis girls walk past yeah, and he's just like, that, was, that was just so throwaway, but just so like that was genius. Um, yeah, there's a lot there's yeah. a lot of stuff to like in this film. Like I said, yeah. apart from the final third, but it really gets sluggish with me. And like I said, that the, the, the Japanese scene, which really yeah. and there's also um Sean Penn says it says one word that made me feel very awkward when he's the way he says it. Um I didn't like. Um it felt it felt more in t- keeping with the times, but mm. still didn't need to be there, and, it, and that mm. it made me feel a bit icky and awkward hearing it said in the way he said it. Do you think? So I, I guess the question is like, when filmmakers are, are making a you know a period piece or a film set in a specific time, do they then disregard the That's language true. and character of that time? You can't. Or, you can't historically. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. whitewash the like, Oh, no one ever said that word. You can't really yeah. do that. That's that does seem mm-hmm. wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that's what it should do. Maybe by saying that word and making you feel awkward is a good thing. But it makes you go right. Well, I would never say. It. I would never say that. Therefore, yeah. Um, yeah. it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't the N word he says. It's another. It's a sort of, It's another word he says that describes that. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. <coughs> um, by the fact we, I think you probably felt a bit awkward hearing it as well. To point go, oh, well, yeah. now at least at this point in time, we're in a society now, but at least we, and a lot of people we know, and a lot of people of our generation now feel weird about that word. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Yeah, which is good, which is obviously very good. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah so maybe that's it. maybe that's like, maybe in a way that's a good thing. I think that one had less of an impact on me than, like I said, the, the Japanese scene, which did feel yeah. again just so weird. Weird, it was yeah. Fucking odd, man. I'm so, yeah. I'm so, I, like I say, I'm, I'm genuinely. Just try to put this where I can and get in his head and think, why right. would you do that? Because, yeah. like I say, I just I can't understand. That's the thing is, I can't <laughs> understand why 
why he would do it. It's just, yeah. you know, he, he's, he's an intelligent director. Do you know what I mean? He's got the world at his hands and he knows what he's doing. So why would you do that? That That's my, my mindset yeah. is the why. Do you know what I mean? Why yeah. have you done that? It's got to, there's got to be... A reason behind it. Must be. Must, must be. be. You, can't, you, you can't do... You, you just w- wouldn't fucking do that. That'd be like fucking, you know, Sp- imagine Spielberg done that. Do you know what I mean? Matt, well, you want to buy the it, actor... The bad actor not ask questions. Going, what's what's the point? Exactly. Anyway. So they must have, you know, here's why. Oh. Exactly. I mean, there must be a why. We just don't know what it is. What yet. It is. And I'm interested to know what the why is. Whether whether it justifies it or not is a different. No, yeah. But I want to know what the why is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, out of ten, what you giving it? Um, I think I possibly gave it an eight. Give me two seconds, and I will. I'm giving it a seven. I, I gave, it a seven. Seven. I gave it a seven as well. Seven yeah, as well. So... Very, very enjoyable. Oh, we're, we're in agreement for once. Yes, we, we are. Um, <laughs> that is us for this week. Next week, we've got some interesting stuff out in the cinema. We have the mm-hmm. new William Del Toro film, which is called Nightmare Alley. Oh. Which um, is getting a bit of a kicking, um, critically. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is I think this is, because this is a film that's been remade several times now. Oh, has it? Yeah, there's quite a few versions out there of it. Um, and I think that's what people are doing is they're comparing it to and thinking his version is a bit shit compared to... Because it's a novel as well, I think. So it's oh. a novel and other films of the same material. And I think he's maybe fell short on Division, perhaps, which oh. for Del Toro surprises me because yeah. talk about Vision, he's you know he's up there with, yeah. with the best of them. Um, yeah. Interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, Del Toro film, always, they're always interesting, if, if nothing else. I'm intrigued by that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, you've got the Kenneth Branagh, Belfast's very own, apparently. He's from Belfast. I didn't know he was. Which um, I was, I've seen trailers, and instantly I was like, I don't... Well, no, no, sorry, I've seen trailers. I'd heard about it in Reddit, and I was like, I don't care. And I've seen a trailer, and I was like, I want to see that. I, I want to fucking see this. I want to see it as well. It's called, <laughs> the, film called, the film is called Belfast. Um, yeah. Um, it's kind of basically set just before the troubles really kick off, I think. Yeah, what yeah, I can see. yeah. As a family, maybe thinking about trying to maybe move away. It's just sort of, it looks very much like a bit of a Brooklyn-type film, um, sort of like yeah. a family existing. My only concern about it is, and I'm intrigued to know, there's a couple of film journalists I'm big fans of who White Break for Empire, um, called Chris Hewitt and Helen O'Hara, and they're both from Northern Ireland. So okay. I'm kind of intrigued to see what they think about it, because they're usually quite, you know... Scathing. Speaking from personal from experience. experience. Yeah, yeah, of what, yeah, yeah. you know, film in Belfast. My worry about this film might be that it sort of has this idea of, ah, oh, the troubles were just a little bit of a... It's a just fun and game between the, the, the boys and everything was all right, and he's going, no, motherfucker, this was... This was horrendous, like really yeah, horrible. So the same thing you see trail- from the Glasgow, when they go like, "Oh, things were better back in the sixties." Go, or you know, the Cree kind of films. They go, "Oh, things yeah. were fine with the Cree." They kept the, they kept tolerance. You go, yeah. "No, they were fucking scumbags." No, you know, that's, people that's got like, killed and people starved killed, and injured yeah. and maimed. Yeah, um, going by the trailer, it does seem to cover the trouble. It does. It how, does. How deep it that. goes, and you know how it, how it smooths it over as a different story but um, as I say um, when I was reading about it I was like oh my god this is awful and then when I seen the trailer my wee face up and I was like I don't really, really I, I think it could generally be one of those kind of quite uplifting films um, it's mm. an only Oscar buzz as well um, yeah. but I feel it could be maybe a little bit twee and I, I am concerned as to how much it sort of can't really whitewash the troubles but how much it sort of makes it out to be like it's almost a boys own adventure type thing the way a lot of war films yeah. sometimes do you know the idea of yeah. like going, going to war is all fun and games and it's like nothing. Yeah. so <coughs> that's out this week also in the cinemas this week is A Journal for Jordan which has got uh, Michael K. Jordan um, and, and he's okay. basically writing letters to his future son who while well, he's out in Iraq um, in the army I'm, I am going to assume he dies in this film I don't know for sure but it seems like he's writing him and it's his son discovering these letters and sort of 
learning lessons in life and everything regarding his, his dad's letters. Sounds like a, a kind of my life for this era. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm getting from that. That's so, out. Yeah, um, could be interesting, yeah. And on Netflix, you've got Munich, The Edge of War, which is a World War One. Uh, World War Two film, sorry, set pre World War Two when it's sort of like Neville Chamberlain and all that going over to Germany to try and sort of um, talk to Hitler to tell him not to invade places and stuff like that. And I think it's right to set a lot of, you know, it's trying to sort of come from a more historically accurate idea of like the general sort of consensus right now amongst most people is that Chamberlain was like sort of a, a coward and appeased Hitler, but apparently there's a lot more to it than just that. And it's sort of this is sort of maybe yeah. putting that more in context. You've got the boy you like, George. Oh, George McKay. Yeah. George McKay. He's in it. He plays like yeah. sort of the main one of the guys who goes over there. So um, it's on Netflix. Sneaky Sim- fucker. You try to reel me in with actors that I like to watch a film that I'm not going to watch, aren't you? you yeah. Fucker. No. I knew you wouldn't watch it, but I thought if I bring, <laughs> bring, I bring him into George McKay and he might watch it. Um, it's written by Thomas Harris, the writer of. Oh. Like, um, I think it's the same Thomas Harris who wrote Silence of the Lambs who wrote like um, Fatherland and all that kind of stuff. Thomas Harris. Thomas Harris, I can think of. Yeah, just got that pen name. So I'm going. I'm going. To, I might be totally fucking wrong. Ah, because weird. He's went from like sort of, me, but yeah. he wrote yeah. like two or three really major horror books or sort of like psychological. Mm-hmm. Then he sort of yeah. transitioned into um, like almost historical fiction. Something you know, he's done a lot. He's done like done mm-hmm. like Rome and stuff like that, and Imperium and all yeah. like, the Roman legion stuff. Yeah. Like that. So it's quite a, it's quite an odd. Um, like shift, absolutely, yeah. But I'm trying maybe, to think of it maybe, maybe that's you know he's just got a penchant for for writing horror, but you know his passion was always you know no I'm like a fucking historian I want to, I know what I'm fucking writing about do you know what I mean? So, Aye, I mean it could be um, same guy, yeah. I don't I think, think it is because I've got I've got Thomas Harris who is writing Hannibal Lecter book. Let's talk about William mm. Thomas Harris the Third, and then you've got another Thomas Harris possibly. Oh, that's a quite strange that there's two offers with I, I not, not an unusual name, but unusual enough that you wouldn't think there'd be two offers sharing it. Um, aye, because it seems like it seems like they, they do write very different books, but you think they would try and aye, Robert Harris. Hmm. Yeah, th- one's one's an English novelist and another one's an American novelist. I'd sue him. The, the American one should sue him because Americans sue everybody. Be like, the American one's doing all right. He's wrote the three Silence of Armstrong books. He is making major bank off of them, you know. And, <laughs> he's, and, he is, yeah. He's, he's, doing, he's doing no bad for himself. That, that and other Thomas Harris is writing. <laughs> I mean, he wrote Fatherland, and I love the Fatherland film. You ever seen uh, Rutger Hauer in no, that No, I've, I've, I've never watched it, no. It's good film. No, um, I, 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 always, it's one of those ones that I've always been aware of, but I've just never dragged Marshall into watching it yet, so it's not for lack of wanting to. It's just... It's a good book as well. I enjoyed the book. Yeah. Really well done, book. Anyway, that is us for next week. So there's four films there. I imagine you will see, hopefully... One or hopefully two. I'll go and see one or two at least, yeah. Go and see Belfast. Oh. I think you'll like the Munich Edge of War. You like George Mackay. You've got a thing for him. Oh, you're a fucker, man. You put me in these corners and then, then you moan when I come out scratching. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did warn you. I have given you warning. Don't go and see... Um, Macbeth. Macbeth, yes. I wasn't uh, ever going to go and see Macbeth. No, so if you drag me into cinema unconscious, yeah. I would I would still <laughs> somehow. Somebody push me out. He doesn't want to watch us. Um, you can find Where us people find places. Number three beers in the movie. We're on Gmail, Instagram. We're on Facebook. Um, we're, on, we're on Twitter as well. Um, but we're, we're everywhere. So Don't yell about Batman, please. Well, <laughs> 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 Batman, for fuck's sake. Type in number three. Type in beers and you'll find us... Um, Pop in, say hello, give us some likes and follows and all, all the usual shit that people beg for. I'm not going to beg for it, but no, we are to do it. Oh, don't, yeah. don't give a fuck, really. Um, I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and we've been. 
Three beers and a movie.